0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Take a Seat podcast. In this episode, we talk about suicide, which I know can be distressing. So if you need resources or support, go to beyondblue.org or for free 24-hour counselling in Australia, the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14. Please look after yourself. The content in this episode is not intended to provide medical advice and should not be relied on as such. Always seek medical guidance from your doctor or other qualified health professionals with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition.
1: Welcome to the Take a Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. Before we get stuck into this
2: episode, we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club they operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby and more. Follow Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram and find out more about them at suncospinners.com.au
1: Welcome back to episode five. Episode five. Mate, we've got some really special guests, uh, some people that are really close to you and I together for a number of different reasons. Right, So uh, the first first one, I'll know, Corey, Corey Rostron. I've been playing basketball with Corey for I don't know how long, All right, and his brother-in-law, Sean. Now, together, they found the love of wheelchair sports, being able to play a sport together, wheelchair rugby league. Not only do have they pioneered the start of it in South East Queensland, but Sean now representing Australia for the wheelchair rugby league side and Corey previously representing Queensland for five straight years. So Corey
2: and Sean, uh, the way I describe it is, the Step Brothers, you know the movie Step Brothers. <laughs> they are the Sunny Coast version of that. They are just good value all way round. I know them from wheelchair rugby league. In my mind, they are immortals of Southeast Queensland rugby league, but also Queensland and and Australia.
1: Now you also work with Corey on a professional level, at Enhanced.
2: Yeah, so Corey's one of my clients at Enhanced, and uh, we're working on trying to make his life better, not just for wheelchair rugby league, but in general. Everything about his life, uh,
1: we, we're improving him overall. Well, I'm sure we'll dive into that a bit later in the conversation. Well, gentlemen, Corey, Sean, we'd like to invite you to take a seat with us on the Take a Seat Project. Welcome, boys.
3: Yeah, thanks, James. Cameron, it's awesome to
1: be here. Love it. As we, as we mentioned before, the podcast is about sort of raising awareness of disabilities, disability sports, and then also supports. Yeah. Um, but, you know, first of all, we want to know about you. So we'll start with Corey. Tell us a bit about yourself.
3: Hi, my name's Corey. I'm a tetraplegic. I had an accident about 11 years ago on a motorbike, and I moved to Brisbane to play some sports, and that's about, about it at the moment, to be honest.
4: And Sean? Uh, Yeah, so I'm Sean. I'm Corey's brother-in-law. So met Corey through his sister, who I'm married to, obviously. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Corey's been a big part of my life. Um, Met him first uh, when I was racing Speedway. He was probably one of the big key influences of me and uh, his sister staying together. Uh, We had broken up there quite young and he pushed there and, you know, told her off for dumping me when I was a bit younger. So, <laughs> um, you know, he was the smart one there and talked some sense into her. But um, not, not just
3: good looks, mate.
4: Yeah. So, yeah. Since his accident, we've sort of become pretty good friends. He was my number one fan with footy and all that sort of stuff. So, um, fangirl and from he was guy? a fangirl. Oh, yeah, a fan no, girl. number one fan. Yeah, he had a special special shirt made up for him from the boys. So, number yeah. one supporter. I'd
3: drive around, drive Sean to game to game, Sunshine Coast to the Gold Coast, everywhere.
4: Yeah. Number one fan, this bloke. So
1: so yeah. am, I, am I right in, is it, um, so at what point in time did, Sean, you move to Brisbane for football?
4: So it was around roughly 2007 it was. I moved to Brisbane to play footy. So I yeah. um, brought uh, his sister Gemma across and yeah. um, that came over to live that dream there. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't till some time after that when, you know, Corey came over. Yeah. Um, you know, back marriage and kids and all that sort of stuff for me on my side of things. But... Um, yeah, it was roughly around then. Played a bit of footy for the Dolphins.
1: Bit of footy for the Dolphins? Mm. Would have been a prime time now.
4: Yeah, I know. <laughs> Turn back the clock now if I could. <laughs> yeah. Give it a crack. And so, Corey,
1: about what timeline was, was the accident? Uh, tw- well, it's, you can't really forget
3: the date. It's the 25th of September 2011. It's a memory and a date that's etched in my brain forever and ever that I don't think will ever change. No. Was, I could, yeah. I could rattle it off in my sleep if you asked me.
1: And so is it... The the bond between the two of you was was super strong. You just mentioned that as 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 both able children running around, you know, trying to keep your, your sister and Sean together, following the footy, the love of footy. There, what has that transpired into now?
3: Like a brotherhood, best friends, you know, second to none. It's just I'd do anything for him, and he'd do anything for me. I just have to ask me, and I'd do anything in a heartbeat.
2: You guys are currently living together, or about to. Sean and Gemma are about to build a house and everything, or building a house. But you're living together right now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah um, basically they are building a new house and I I want them to save some money. So I was just like, come live with me, save some money. I don't want you to pay rent. I don't want you to do that. And it's like, comes back to, I'll do anything for them. So, and, yeah. the, and the two boys, that, uh, my world, Sean's world, Gemma's world.
2: When you had your accident in 2011, uh, there was a rough time and period there yes. um, and then after that you obviously returned back to originally from Alice uh, both of you from yep. up in that area you returned back to Alice and things weren't going the right way for your, yourself you said that you yeah. know it wasn't accessible and Sean gave you a buzz and said hey come on down to Brizzy
3: it kind of happened a bit 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 different to that yeah um, yeah I kind of it was
2: in a dark I returned from
3: Alice from rehab and it it just, like, everything wasn't going the way. Friends left, you know, I was on my own. It wasn't accessible. There was no sports. People didn't want to hang out with me because, hey, I'm different. Corey can't do this. Corey can't do that. And I was in a dark spot. And, I like, I'll be honest with you, I I got to the point where I wanted to end my life um, too just because everything wasn't going my way and I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see a way out. And... um I went, I had my plan, what I was going to do, where I was going to go, like, you know. And yeah, I was going out that night to do it and I got a phone call from Sean and he said, "Uh, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah. i like, oh, I I didn't want to answer his phone call at the start, but then he rang back a second time and he said, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're going to be, you're going to be an uncle. And everything from that day changed. I immediately turned around and I'm like, that's my, like, that's my way out. I see it like I see it, I've got something to live for, yeah they need that the, this boy is going to need his uncle,
2: and as you guys he now calls you Congol <laughs> and um, he's you know you've got two two nephews now, yeah um, and they idolise you both of you <laughs> dad and, and uncle, but you know that that was one of those moments where support has helped you helped you through that dark moment. How have you felt about that and and what Sean's offered you?
3: Uh, the support is second to none it's like it makes it feel easier for like things to do it's not like oh, oh you won't be able to do this and you won't be able to do that so the support there actually helps you f- like figure out a way that yes you can do this yes you can do that so
1: touching on that on that form of support is is do you think that's sort of where it was with your friends and and family and the people you had ar- around you in Alice is is it just the sort of the understanding and knowing as to what Ha- had to happen or was it just like a Sean's got this can-do attitude and whatever has to be done will be done to get Corey to do it?
3: I get that. Yeah, that that, that that's a part of it. But I also think some of my friends and that because they were there with my accident and they don't know, like in Alice Springs, it's just a small country town of about 25,000 people. So they don't really have the supports or the knowledge for anything to happen like that. So they don't, yeah, so that's where it all kind of drifted apart.
1: And Sean, do you want to talk us a bit about – just talk us through what might what, what happen on a, on a day-to-day basis if you're out with Corey or whatnot and what is it – what are some common sort of struggles that you might face either going into a venue or going from one place to another or whatever it might be that you, you have to come across that for – that possibly you think or your friends or family or someone might say, or oh, is Corey going to be able to do this or should we maybe – not invite Corey is there any a scenario like that
4: yeah so it's a lot to do with accessibility of places and all that sort of stuff that's probably one of the, the like the biggest eye-opener for me the lack of accessibility for for certain things it's definitely something that's getting better over time but originally when it first happened it was just really poor you know found like he couldn't get to a lot of places and all that sort of stuff you know there wasn't accessibility ramps and all that sort of stuff like I remember when I had my house there Corey was having trouble getting into my back like back door so I built a ramp for him you know like it opened my eyes up to certain things that I had to do around him and also assist him um but yeah I'd say that that was probably one of the biggest things I've seen um you know it's always developing getting better so um yeah that's probably that's it um obviously it's not the first time you've heard
2: Corey explain that you know that night was potentially the last night that you would have seen each other how does that how do you feel about that? Um, knowing that your phone call changed, you know, the destination of of the rest of your lives together. How do you feel about that?
4: Yeah, it's a big thing. Big thing for me. The moment there where there was a, a chance that we might have lost our life, um, but by gaining one, you know, kept another one around was, you know, it's pretty, something special. Um, sort of that moment really, you know, it's 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 obviously made a change in Corey where he thought, you know, this is the end new life has just given him a a breath of fresh air and he's had something to sort of drive through. But, you know, that that year in general was a massive year. I got married in 2011 in January. You know, Corey was walking at my wedding. Um, You know, he was... Uh, running around a bit after the wedding, being a bit of a, a rat bag but uh, <laughs> perhaps rolling. <laughs> you, no, not at that time. Uh, no, no, oh. no, sorry, as in, as in, after a few beers. Oh, there was yeah. plenty of beers. <laughs> he was pretty loose. He was pretty loose, but um, chasing you know, ladies, time sure. <laughs> being me, being in Brisbane, and him being at Alice. Um, by the time the accident had come around, like I hadn't seen him for some time, and the last time I had seen Corey he was he was he was walking. So just that change itself, but to have him tell. You know, his stories, I'm very proud of him for, you know, coming out with that and all that sort of stuff. It's not something that everyone knows about him. You know, it's something special that we sort of share and I've known, but yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm thankful he's come out with it, uh, you know, once again, but um, yeah, it was a big moment.
2: Uh, So obviously, you know that story about Corey uh, pretty well and and it's hit home very hard in different ways. Being brother-in-law, you saw the other side of the, the coin as well with his sister having to potentially... I'm not putting words in your mouth or anything like that, but did you have to support your sister knowing that information or your wife and his sister knowing that information
4: and how much has changed his life? Um, oh, look, it's a hard one. I, I'm not even true, sure if she truly knows the full extent of it, but, yeah, she definitely knows it's a major factor in, in, in that change in Corey and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, you know, everyone since then has always been here to support Corey, you know, like we... We know it's hard. It hasn't been easy for him and what sort of stuff. And he's got his daily challenges and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think, in the scheme of things, yeah, you know, if he didn't, if, if the accident doesn't happen, you know, who knows how life goes on and all that sort of stuff. But I think with that, the accident, uh, his nephew, my son coming along and all that sort of stuff, those changes in in that time period, obviously, you know, set up a, a future that probably none of us really knew was gonna gonna exist. I guess. But um, he's really opened my eyes to the world of disabilities, he's opened my my children's eyes to the world of disabilities Um, you know they haven't really known him any different, they never knew him when he was walking you know that's been a big thing for me as well, they respect the disability more than a lot of other people do, Um, so um, that's something that I'm very you know proud about, my son's really shown the courtesy and, and respect that he, you know, they understand his disability yeah it's just been a massive sort of thing for us I think really it was a big building block in and where we are now
2: Corey having two nephews that idolize you irrespective of of your injury and being disabled and that how do you feel about that
3: it's I think it's amazing they see me and other people with disabilities no different to James or you yourself they treat everybody equal
1: to give a bit more context I guess is um you know, it's not only that they don't have the exposure to only Corey in a day chair and, and sort of seeing the, the accessible nature of homes, or should I say, lack of accessible nature, but they also see Corey flourishing in terms of sport. So, Corey, Sean, myself, and Cameron, we actually all play wheelchair rugby league together. And, and they come along and they jump in the chairs and they play with us. Yeah. And I think it was, I think you told me the other day, Corey, that um, they're watching the, the NRL on the footy. Yeah, Connor. And, and, and Connor said, oh, no, no, this, isn't, this isn't real footy. This stuff sucks, or or something along those lines, yeah. suggesting that the real footy is the wheelchair footy. Yep, and uh, you know it's it's that kind of um, exposure that drives real accessibility. And from such a young age, I don't think Connor or Tyler are going to ever look at someone in a wheelchair and see that first. Mm. They're going to see a person and a story behind that person, and if at all, the wheelchair.
4: Yeah, that's 100%. Like, with the wheelchair rugby league as a sport anyway, um, I think that goes for any disability, really. Whoever they see jump in those chairs, it equalises everybody. It neutralises disabilities or ablebodies and all that sort of stuff. So that avenue was really good. And I think that's one of the real big learning curves for them is that they don't look at it. As a disability sport or anything like that, they yeah. sort of they, they, they don't even think of it that way. It's yeah.
1: funny. Th- sorry, throwing it back to episode one, Daniel, Daniel McCoy saying at the end of the wheelchair basketball session, and he goes, he goes, oh, you know, and finish the end of the session, and everyone starts jumping up and walking out. He goes, oh, they're all cheating. Like, <laughs> know, so there's, there's, there's the, the, the notion that you have to be disabled, as we said, I think in episode three, uh, the, the notion of having to be disabled to use a wheelchair. Is, isn't there at all yeah. for your for your, for Sean, your children, and, and your nephews, Corey. So I think it's a great life lesson and attitude to, to be going into life with.
2: Oh, 100%. Going from there, how did you... So South East Queensland, wheelchair rugby league, Immortals, if nothing else, but also Queensland and Australian honours and pushing into that representative level. But how did you get involved in the sport?
3: Well, going back to me being a fangirl of Sean, following him, you know, I, I just wanted to take a take the field when I was walking. I wanted to play that sport. I wanted to play rugby with my brother, but it was how how do you put it? We we just couldn't find a sport that would accommodate both of us. And we're just look, going around, going to uh, come and try day here of all sports. I, I can't remember the the ver-
1: variety camps. No, yeah. it was,
3: um, Dave Bartholomus. Oh, uh, sporting wheelies. Yeah, and yeah. you know they chucked all those sports on, and we went there. Nothing really come out and stood out in us and then we just seen a flyer one day, Darren Belling, was like Chuck to come and try a day out of wheelchair rugby league and I'm like, All abilities, able and disabled and I'm like, Oh, this is this is us. This is us. So we get down there and it's just him, me and Sean. <laughs> and
4: yeah, that- it was uh, pretty fresh at that stage but um yeah, like even then, like at the start of that, I think we you know talking about the sporting wheelie stuff, like uh I think we went down played murder ball, Um and yeah, that was still even, I was very reluctant to sort of get into a chair there and I don't think they were really promoting that, um, you know, inclusive type stuff at that stage as well. But I remember on that day, I, I got in and I had a bit of a brief stint in the chair. Um, I didn't really have a lot of numbers down there, but, you know, Corey was in. But when we got around to the wheelchair rugby league scene, you know, being, it was still fairly fresh here in Queensland, you know, I was just straight into it, you know, it was me being a rugby league player it was probably more of my sport as well, but to get a chance to jump into a chair and, and be alongside Corey was pretty cool. You, you touch on it briefly
2: there, um, but, you know, not being inclusive and almost don't want to get in the chair because it doesn't feel right or anything. Uh, how, that first day, you know, how did you feel uh, overall?
4: It was a relief in the end, really. Um, you know, it's one of those things, it's hard, because obviously we're looking at trying to break that stigma around a disability, you know what I mean, and being in a wheelchair and all that sort of stuff, but I think after you've been in a wheelchair playing the sport or even any time you would use one, you use it enough, it becomes just a normal piece of equipment. So, you know, when... How do you say it, like... It feels, it
3: feels like, like a normal person using a tennis racket. It's just a piece of equipment that someone's using. And we all use it and we're all equal in the chair. Mm.
4: You know, I think at first I was worried about, you know, like being in a wheelchair and, you know, the session finishes and I get out and then people see me walking and, like, you know, they would think differently of me for, you know, potentially taking away opportunity for someone that was in a wheelchair or whatnot or or whatnot. Um, You know, that was a hard thing to sort of get over. But I kind of want to jump in on that comment because it's such a a common statement
1: that's always made. You know, I've brought friends down to the, the basketball programs many times and some of them jump in, some of them sit on the sideline, and it's like, yeah, just, just, just get in. Like, what, what are you stressing over? And they're like, oh, no, no, not for me, not for me. And then you go have have a chat with them after, have a drink or whatever it is, and it eventually comes out. It's it's that same comment. It's like, oh, I didn't want to take a, an opportunity or, or a spot away from someone else. And I mean, the true hard fact is that able body involvement only increases opportunities.
3: And me as a disabled ambassador, we're like, we we want everybody that's able-bodied to come in because it just makes it so much better and so much fun and it's just the involvement of you guys it brings
1: I think, I think I think I think we can correct that statement one with one word and getting rid of able-bodied you know we want people coming in yeah. we want anyone and everyone coming in I think that's the, on that. the hard fact right because when we look back at the at the past and and as Karen said you two as, as legends as you know The the two guys with Darren and and a few other people uh, possibly helping out along the way. But you really, the two of you with Gemma, paved the way for Wheelchair Rugby League in not only Southeast Queensland, but Queensland in its entirety. And that shows like Gemma Gemma was named, she was given.
2: Yeah, so this year we've actually given the volunteer of Southeast Queensland. At the award, and we've called it after Gemma. So, um, the 2022 season will be the first year that that Volunteer of the Year award will go out to Gemma. Just to obviously, it wasn't just Gemma, but she was such a vital part to it in growing the sport here in, in Queensland. And Corey, you've now represented Queensland before it was State of Origin, um, same as yourself, Sean. And you now Sean's been selected in the Australian side, but. As Corey, you know, you're pushing to get back into that level and you want that competition to be higher, but you know yourself that the competition is getting better and you've grown the sport to a point where you now, I want my spot back. I'm going to get my spot back. 100%. 100% I'm going to get a spot back. Yeah, exactly. And you've grown the sport to a level that you've now got that competition, irrespective of who it is that's playing the sport. I'll, I'll be straight honest with you. The
3: sport would not be where it is today without Gemma. Gemma literally pioneered and pushed everything. Me and Sean or James wouldn't be where we are without Gemma doing what she did. So I'll give big honours to Gemma for that.
1: No, massive, massive. But honestly, on the back of that, so Gemma working behind the scenes and the admin sort of side of things, but the two of you operationally, week in, week out, showing up to each each stadium every week across South East Queensland, setting it up. It, it's sort of, you can't put it into words as to what, what it is you, that you really do put behind it. And it really wouldn't be anywhere without the three of you. So I, I you know, really, really take on that Gemma was, was, was the, the the spine on the back of it, but the two of you, the left and the right hand.
4: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, I mean that comes down to the fact that it's become it's a sport that we become passionate about, and you want to. Promote the sport, you want to push the sport as much as you can. So I think the effort we put in behind the scenes only can benefit it, you know, and we don't want to stop that. There's been some changes in my life that I've had to step back in some certain sides, but I'm still there. I still want to put in 100%. You know, I want to, still want to train these young kids coming through and all that sort of stuff, show them the right skills and all that sort of stuff. Because
3: because um, now it's not just about us playing the sport, it's about the Sam Rodell, the Liams, the Connors, the little kids that have passion for this sport. And see nothing but having fun, and that's what we need to be pushing the sport.
1: I want to I want to take it back to, to Cameron's comment that, that you've now grown the sport to the point where we've got able body involvement, we've got the sport that's that's growing from what two three players back in 2015
3: fourteen yeah it'd be fourteen yeah. somewhere around yeah. there now to
1: 2021 well 2022 but 2021 season we had three sides competing in a league with roughly. 25 members playing week in, week out?
3: Uh, About 30, yeah, 25 about, to 30.
1: About 30, yeah. And as Cameron pointed out, now that the, the competition has grown and, and Corey, you participated in the Queensland side for three years? Four, five. Five, sorry. So it's now at the point where, where where the sport has grown, the the coaching staff has been able to develop the players. Talk me through how that feels in a point where you, you played for five years And now it's at a point where, do you you think that maybe it was a point that it was perhaps easy because there were less numbers? Or I don't mean to be sounding rude here, but uh, was it perhaps easy because there were less numbers? Is it harder now because there's more numbers or the skill gap is increasing the mode? Is it, talk me through what you sort of, how you're sort of thinking about it.
3: I think think it's like, yeah, it was easy back then because it was a new sport and we just picked a team but you still had to have skill to be there now the skill level is jumped so much like I've improved but I still got it I'm still trying to battle my disability to get to that next level to be like where you guys are but it comes back to the comment where James and says you don't have to be the quickest you don't have to be the fastest you can just have the skill a good rugby brain and listen yeah but the skill gap is, is huge from where it was to where it is now
1: yeah, like a big a big comment there is. You said you have to um, have to manage your disability. I think it's really about managing your ability. You know, finding finding what you can do mm. and do it well and mm. do it the best. Do it the best on field. To give some context to
2: everyone, so Corey, you're and tetraplegic. Yep. Um, what's the level of your break and what's your feeling and the point that, you know, your control of your uh, abdominals, your arms, legs, all that, what what do you have?
3: Uh, so I'm a T5, T6, well when I first had my injury, a T5, T6 paraplegic with a T4 lesion and then it was just, I was playing rugby one day, I think it was at a state of origin with James and or the boys and I fell out and my whole arms just went numb and I ended up having to go get an MRI because I could not move my arms, And I'm like, well, something's not right. Um, we ended up finding out that I have a syrinx and it was sitting just below my brainstem and they're like, lucky you fell out of your chair because you're like a week off from not being able to breathe. So when they did the operation, um, I become a C3 incomplete. I'm not too sure about the Asia because... Me and Cameron, <laughs> yeah. finding new things out at work.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So can't, talk, talk us through what the where the T, T5, T4, so, T3.
2: yeah, um, what Corey's talking about there, uh, I'll start with the T4, 5. So T4, 5 is pretty much nipple line. Um, Corey, knowing him very well, he had a motorbike accident, land in the middle of his back. Often T45 is pretty much an accident that happens in car or motorbike in general. Uh, it's got a lot of the rib cage that protects it. So it's really hard to break T45. The actual accident that Corey had is one of those freak in nature type of things where he's landed and it has put pressure in that joint. So anything from nipple line down is altered for Corey. A syrinx is... Uh, Think of a cyst. Uh, so it's a, the like spinal cord a, 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 an, fluid.
1: growing in a ball.
2: Yeah, yeah. so the, the spinal cord has fluid, which then it actually forms a, a cyst or a sac that has then pushed up towards his brainstem, so the very base of his skull. And if it's not caught at the right time, it can actually push up into the the skull and cause pressure within the skull and basically cause a brain injury or death. So for him to have that accident and then it gets seen and corrected is a massive thing. It means that now, rather than being from nipple line, it's actually up around middle of neck that Corey has trouble from there. Still has full function of arms, still is able to use his arms, but it is altered because of that. And then, as Corey said, he, he is a client that comes to work since being in Wheelchair League. He wanted to, you know, improve the sport, um, improve his abilities, uh, his ADLs or activities of daily living, improve general health and well-being, and independence. We've been working on a lot of things where trying to improve – what ability he does have. Since then, we've found that Corey can actually move, a, a partially move some of his legs. He's got a lot more core control than we originally thought. And he's able to seated balance. When he throws the football over his head, he can actually catch it, which originally he couldn't uh, do very well because he didn't have the trunk control. So base of support, arms above head, really difficult for someone in a wheelchair often. Make contact with chairs and you hit forward and almost fall out of chair. That becomes really difficult to be able to stay in chair. So taking tags off people's shoulders, passing footies. You know, you're looking at a lot of complex stuff there. So it's not easy for Corey and it's not easy for anyone with a high spinal cord break. So as you said, ability. Corey has a lot of ability for the level of break and syrinx and everything that he does have.
1: So you, Corey, you, you came into enhanced believing, to your own knowledge, that you you are at, at at this point with being uh, center of the chest.
2: Yeah, center of the chest. Uh, thinking that it was a complete spinal cord
1: injury from center of the chest.
2: So pretty much n- no innovation that he couldn't get anything back from center of chest down. Yeah. So- to
1: the point of finding that we can actually. S- Strike some nerves on the on the legs and move some of our
3: oh, core. hips. I got a bit of a hip flex.
1: Yeah, talk us talk us through what what has to happen to find that out.
3: <laughs> Cameron just put me in a weird position. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was, it was just like he got me into a weird position, kneeling that I haven't done, and I just held on to a Smith machine. And then Cameron got behind me and he was like holding me on the hips and just moving my hips. And then all of a sudden, I'm like looking at Cameron. And I'm like, and he's like looking at. Me, he's like, he walked away, and I'm I'm still. Moving my hips by myself without Cameron, so yeah, we we, we were both stunned. We're like, "Wow, it's crazy!" Because coming from a, my specialist back when they said my spinal cord was severed, my spinal cord was severed, I would not be able to do this.
1: So I want to refer again to basically everyone in the who we're looking at. We're looking at Dan. We're looking at Rob. We're looking at every, almost everyone is in the past has has not referred to their injury. Or diagnosis as a disability, but something that they will recover or recover some or more of uh, more more movement, more uh, volume of action. They'll they'll be able to get more back out of their body and their more more ability. Is that something that you believe now? So
3: yeah, hundred percent. Like so, without the support of enhanced living, like I, I I come to terms with, I'm done. Like my spinal cord is 7 I'm not getting nothing back, but. Coming to Enhanced and finding that out, I'm like, I wouldn't have been able to do that without the supports that I've had. Yeah, yeah. Like NDIS has helped made like pain for me to go to Enhanced Living. It's crazy.
2: NDIS has also helped a fair bit with your house as well. You've had the modifications done. That's made a big difference for you, yourself. Now, Sean, Gemma and the two boys are living in the house with you. I'll start with Sean. How does it feel living in a fully accessible house when you don't need to use the accessibility? Um, you talked about earlier that the ramp at the back of your house that you had to put in for Corey to get in and out, but now living in a house where you can see Corey just getting around, no no issues whatsoever, and your two boys that um, they get down to wheelchair league and they're ripping around in a wheelchair. With Corey getting his freedom
4: back, he can you know he can move around well. You know there's nothing really stopping him there. Um, you know it's accessible. You know everything's easy to get to. Dishwasher down low. See there, but it's also made in a manner where it's easy to use for me, so if there's a carer or a family member over, they can use it too so everything's accessible so the way it was sort of done up was um, you know, very good, very well planned uh, the only thing I do got to do uh, which I got to get reminded about constantly not leaving the toilet seat down or anything like that it's actually pulling the shower head down because you got the one on the rope and yeah, me not being very considerate of Corey, I sometimes forget to pull it back down to his level in the morning, so Corey gets a bit of a long stream from the shower.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: No, nah, just, just, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to Les
2: Shaw. Les was a big part in my house building, so. Yeah. And obviously now that you've got the family living there with you, how does it feel just going about everyday life? Oh, it's easy.
3: It, it just makes things so much easier. Like I don't have to be up against a, a wall to wash my dishes. I can get under it, you know? Yeah, you know, I can teach my nephews how to wash dishes. It just makes things so much easier to do.
1: Like What are, what are some of the larger noticeable differences Sean from your previous home to now staying at, at Corey's?
4: Oh, with Corey's, it's, gonna, it's, it's space, like it's room to move, all that sort of stuff. So the way it's designed, you know, like like you said, getting under the bench to get to the sink, you know. He's in a wheelchair, there's, you know, we're not standing straight up and tall like, you know, I would. Um, he's got to get his chair underneath and all that sort of stuff to be able to do dishes, whereas, in, you know, conventional kitchen's not going to have that. But, you know, just the thought about wheelchair positioning, all that sort of stuff is, is very well planned out. You know, but even even that, I've got a new house getting built, and I've put some things in the place that I've got for Corey. I've got a toilet there with a wider doorway that opens a certain way to make it easier for him. So I've understood what he needs. Um, you know, I, I do need a babysitter, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have for him to be but uh, you yeah. trust
2: him around your children. Or?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so when he needs to come and stay at my place and look after my kids, you know, those things have to be there. So it's 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 definitely a space factor is a big thing that I've noticed
0: the take a seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the suncoast spinners the suncoast spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club they run social inclusion programs including but not limited to basketball and rugby if you want to get involved with the suncoast spinners programs you can just rock up at mergen morayfield and CP downs on wednesdays fridays and saturdays or contact them on instagram facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials, and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au.
1: So we might might now move into our, um, I think what we're calling the hard cards. And essentially, so there's a bunch of questions, 32 odd questions that we've got written on the back of these cards. I'm going to shuffle them around. So, for everyone that hasn't heard before, we have these hard cards
2: and they make you think on the spot. Uh, the difficult questions that people want to know without feeling obliged to get the facial reaction or the emotion that comes with the questions. Um, there's some of them as we go forward, will be uh, questions from guests and also some questions from James and I that, you know, are a bit on that taboo of, oof. Don't know how to ask that question, but thrown in there. There's other ones that you know really make you go, "Okay, wow, that's that's a question that I, I really have to think about." It gives me a bit of a, whew, "Yeah, I don't I don't know how to answer that straight away." I'll think on it for a couple of minutes and then I'll come back to it type of
1: question. Even even questions that you're just not comfortable asking in a conversation or to someone with a disability, like if it if that's something you know, send it to us in our DMs, email it to us, James or Cameron. At thetakeaseatproject.com and, we'll, and we'll whack it in here. You know, if these are the conversations that are perhaps going to enlighten you to the point where we touched on at the beginning of the episode, where there's just that bit of lack of knowledge or lack of understanding as to what needs to happen. Whether it's just give Corey a hand with his chair out of the car, or give him a little push over a bump, or whatever it needs to be, it could be the smallest thing. It could be helping him up or downstairs. You know, whatever it is, if, if it's that smallest understanding, it's going to help help you understand how you might be able to assist someone else in a wheelchair or in any other sort of position. You know, let us know. We can, we might be able to help.
2: There's also questions, um, which are a little more around, you know, something as an example could be, how do you have sex? Uh, what do you do for sex? That type of question as well. It, you know, you might have it on your mind or know someone that has it on their mind and they've got to try and figure it out. So, you know, lived experience is the best thing. Ask a question. And if you can't, we will do it for you. So, Sean's going to pick one out, and Corey's going to pick one out, and then James is going to pick one out. Um, so Sean has taken the Jack of Diamonds. Corey is, okay, so he has the Five of Diamonds, and now it comes down to James. He's reshuffling the cards just to make it uh, a little more, yep, definitely a random pick, and he has a Six of Diamonds. How the hell did you all pick Diamonds? What is this, a little brotherhood no. here that I'm okay. missing out on or something?
3: Hey, we're, we're rough Diamonds. You're just a polished diamond. They're a girl's best friend,
1: (laughs) aren't they? (laughs) Uh, Yep, that works. Definitely. All of the above. So we'll get get Corey to read out his, his question. Five of diamonds is, what worried you the most at the moment? And we'll get Sean to read the second question. What drives you every day? And mine is, name one harshest comment you've ever received. So question number one, Corey. What worried you most
3: at the moment is, I had my accident, I knew I'd become paralyzed, and... Being a boy, we like to be sexual and have relationships and all that. I'm like, what, what, how's this all going to work if I can't, like, use my dick or penis or whatever? Like, how am I going to have those relationships with girls? Because in my mindset, at the age of 18, you know, it's just... But there's so much more to sex than just, like, intercourse and that. So basically, yeah, I was worried about, like, is it, if I... Is it ever going to happen? How's it going to
1: happen or yeah so so, there are, so after, your, after your accident, there were a lot of concerns around intimate relations with with women continuing life, so yeah. you, you straight away knew that you were paralyzed at the moment' looking at it and, and there were concerns around intimacy and, and pursuing relationships. Yeah. what have we what, what have you been has there any, been any supports provided in that sort of area as to um, finding solutions
3: yeah um, so there's at the rehab in uh, Princess Alexandra, um, they've got a peer support team, which I met uh, a great lady named Katie Hammond, which is a good friend and wife of my mate Jimmy Hammond, and they have information sessions about this and teach you, literally, how to have in, like relationships and sexual relationships past injury
1: post injury you know is there anything from those conversations that you think is really powerful that there's something you might want to share to a broader community that, that those that might not be comfortable going to these peer sessions that yep. perhaps might be listening to this this podcast
3: i think go in with an open mind to be honest like it's not it's it's a hard listen but it's a good listen and you get awesome information about the whole like
1: the whole rigmarole yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so but um yeah if you if you take the information in It does – it will benefit you.
2: It's uh, funny you should say that because Dylan Alcott here, they have the Listen Able podcast with Angus O. Lachlan and they were actually – Dylan's partner is a sex therapist, a doctor in it. Uh, Chantel, yeah. Yeah, and that's actually their most listened to episode on their entire podcast. That is the most listened to because people want to know. There there are so many disabilities out there. People want to find out. MC Wheel's – Pre-recording, we were talking to him, and he was in a sex trial um, with the different pieces of equipment, sex toys. Yeah, yeah, sex yeah. toys.
3: So, yeah, I've done, I've done that. Yeah, you've done oh. that.
4: Are <laughs> well, we going into another side conversation here? Yeah, we'll leave that know, for off-air. I don't know if this is. Yeah, this might be an off-air one. This one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> we'll have it. We'll have a chat about it later and see if we see if we put it in. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But I
2: had a client only the other day that asked me that exact question. You know. How, when, is there other experiences? Is there toys? Is there this? Is there that? So, you know, it's something that you've brought up. And that episode, I've I've listened to it in particular. It's really good. But also asking the question and asking other people will give an insight as to how you can do it and what you can do and where you can go. And as you said, going with an open mind. Thinking on it a bit more,
3: when it comes to that situation where you do meet up with a girl, I was more worried about. How am I, like, am I going to please her? Am I going to do that, you know? But
1: So it was the sort of your own perceptions that you're having of, of yeah. self-doubt. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah.
2: We have had uh, Sean's question
4: before. Yeah, so mine was what drives you every day? For me, uh, I feel it's a fairly simple one. Um, you know, I have two young children that rely on me heavily to, you know, to, to be their dad to be to be that father figure every day but um, yeah it's just trying to wake up every day and be your best self is always the struggle to flip that question a little bit now now that you're a part of
2: wheelchair rugby league and you've been in it for quite some time what drives you to still push into the Australian side and the touring squads for the World Cup and obviously you got in the sport to play with Corey but now you're playing at a level that we're trying to get Corey back to Yep.
4: Uh, what keeps driving you forward into that realm Obviously, for me, I think it's a it's a massive opportunity to go and be a part of it. Um, with the fact that it is growing, um, you know, from where it was to where it is now, to be you know included with alongside the you know, the, the male teams, the female teams, and then you have got a wheelchair team alongside them in the World Cup. You know, this is a major stepping stone for wheelchair rugby league in general. Um, so to be a part of that is going to be. Massive. But the other thing for me too is I have always been an athlete. I've always enjoyed rugby league. I enjoy playing with new players and and, and, and seeing their skill sets and adapting to whatever's thrown in front of me. So just getting into that environment, uh, it seems to bring the best out of me it really shows, I think, when I get into that environment. You know, I could go back to a club level and I might not be that good at club level. I might have an off day, but I know that when I get to that next level, I don't know what it is. You know, you know yourself, footballer. Mm-hmm. You just get to those games, you just go next level. You know, it's a grand final or something like that. You just got to treat them all the same. But um, yeah, just, I think with the fact that it's grown so much, um, with the fact that it's going to be, you know, such a highlight, a spotlight, it's all going to be on it. Um, I think this is going to be really... Uh, crucial for it to be successful.
2: This is the first Rugby League World Cup that has men, women, and wheelchair paid the same, broadcasted the same, in the same location, same hotels. Everything is run the same. There is no... Discretion or anything, everybody is the same. And uh, yourself and James have, have been uh, lucky enough to be selected for the Australian side to, to go to England. And Corey's coming along to, for the experience as a family member, but it gives him that drive within to push to that next level again. So, to give everyone some insight, uh, it, it's happening later this year into the, uh, 2022, been postponed from 2021, but it's going to be massive for wheelchair rugby
1: league in general. It's going to be massive. Massive. That's it, yeah. We're still trying to figure a way how to put Cameron in the suitcase, but... um,
4: (laughs) Well, he's he's small enough.
1: I will be there. I
2: I would love... We all will carry on. (laughs) I would love to be a part of the training, um, coaching staff for it. Uh, my passion isn't to to be a player in it. I would love to be a part of that coaching and, and pushing forward down that realm, definitely in, in my own personal life. So if anybody out there listening in the Australian
3: <laughs> community, uh, his name's Cameron Sullivan. Yes.
1: We'll, we'll move on to the third and final question. This one will get a comment from the both of you on the one question. So it's name one harshest comment you've ever received. So I'll, I'll, I'll phrase this so... Um, We'll go post-injury quarry, and Sean will go involvement in wheelchair sports.
3: Harshest comment is you're different. You're not worth nothing. You should have died that day. Wow. Yeah. That's... That's the harshest comment I've ever received post poetry. tree.
2: Wow. Knowing you personally, and James and I and Sean have known you for quite some time now, that's so far from the truth that you're such a great bloke, uh, you will put your heart and soul into everybody else other than yourself. You will literally put everyone else before yourself. So for them to make that comment is just straight out of line. Um, and, Sean, your involvement uh, in that aspect, what's uh, the harshest comment that you've ever received or heard?
4: It's a bit of a uh, Look, with the wheelchair rugby league stuff, I... I don't think it's actually come from a comment, but I've just gotten that feeling like I've taken away from someone. I, I know we covered that, but, like, that was a big thing. Like, me breaking that stigma of myself, just uh, feeling like I didn't belong in this sport as well was strange to me. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, I didn't... Only because a lot of the other sports that we did try together felt like, you know, they weren't inclusive. I think that the fact that, you know, it's been... in Getting bigger in inclusive sports, you know, has really made it better. Uh, in a sense, like you know, I have had a bit of a go at wheelchair basketball, and you know, that was that was really good as well. Um, but you know, leagues where it's at. Um, but yeah, just I, I, there was some times there. I just I felt like, you know, like uh, what are you doing? Like you're taking away from someone and from from someone else, and that was just the way I got made feel feel by the conversations. It wasn't really. I don't think anyone's going to personally go out there and you know, throw something at me and saying like you don't belong there or, you know, you know, what are you doing or whatnot. It wasn't really like that. But um, Can you can you talk us
1: through how you got sort of got that feeling of not because I as as an as again as an able athlete participating in the sport for well wheelship basketball for 10, 11 years and rugby for five years now. There's certainly been times where that's in the earlier stages of, of my playing career where it was for for a while I was probably just blind to it to be honest. Mm. Like I, I was just playing the sport and I loved it. Went along, volunteered played along, you know, got pushed along and it was good fun. And I was probably for the first two, three years, I was blind to the idea of I'm taking away from someone, mm. someone else. I was like, I was, you know, there's some comments that are thrown and it's like, you know, why why are you playing a wheelchair sport? You shouldn't be doing that. It's like, what? It's a sport. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. as, a, yeah, as a, I don't know, what I was at, 14, 15 at the time. And then sort of you know it gets a bit further, and then you know there's more comments that come along, like you know let me know when you get somewhere in life or whatever it is, and this just that that, and it's like well again like what what are you, what are you, what are you talking about you know yeah. so I've certainly experienced those comments, but I'm, I'm interested to sort of hear where so it was it in rugby league or was it in another sport
4: no um it's harder i can't go like to fully go back, but yeah the 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 experience with the 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 Wheelchair rugby itself was, you know, hard. Just, you know, not being able to participate, and then didn't really seem that inclusive. But that was the sporting wheelies. Yeah, I couldn't memorable. really remember the mannerism around, you know, the conversation.
3: And yeah, that's where I think where we can take a lot from Sunco Spinners because the reverse inclusion program is second to none, and I think we can, on rugby,
2: adapt off that. Yeah. So Sunco Spinners are. Massively pushing for that inclusivity and, you know, their board members go and jump in the chair and they push around and, you know, they don't have disabilities and some of them do, but they are pushing other people into it. You know, they're pushing all those sports where they want people to come and trial it and be a volunteer or help out in any way in nature. So there is organizations such as Suncoast um, Spooners that are pushing down that avenue to, to take away that stigma that you're feeling, yeah. Sean, definitely. And we at uh, Wheelchair Rugby League, Southeast Queensland in particular, I know the guys up north and that are doing the same sort of thing, but we invite everyone to come down and, and the four of us sitting here are massive on anyone and Everyone get in the chair. We've got support workers coming down and they're like, oh no, 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 I'm just here to take someone. No, get it you're getting in the chair. He's not in the chair, or chance, she's in the chair, you are getting sound. in. Yeah. Yeah. Mum, dad, not nah, getting in the chair. Because that's the only way to be involved in the sport and see your kid or your brother or sister or auntie or uncle as we've got, you know, brothers in law sitting mm. in directly opposite us here, James, that are playing the sport because of them both getting in the chair and both getting that experience. We've t- we spoke about it with Dan as to you know, not the exact same experience, but you are getting well, that, a like experience. That that's it. Yeah, that's, you
1: wouldn't get if you didn't get in the chair. That's what the whole reverse inclusion project sort of is. I guess it's. Like you say, we're, we're never going to be able to create the exact same experience. That's something that's that's far and beyond, and, and it's realistic to look at that and say, we're not going to achieve that. What we can achieve is showing a similar experience in playing the same sport. And, you know, you take it back to, again, Dan McCoy's statement, you know, he gets at the end of the session, they all stand up and he goes, oh, they're all cheating. But for the first half of that session, or the whole entire session to the last 10 minutes, he had no idea. He's out there pushing around with other people in a wheelchair, in a sports chair. And then we take it back uh, to two, three weeks ago when we were playing at um, Caloundra. And Cameron, you and I are having a conversation with the mother of a young child who's just started coming along, playing, participating. And she's saying, oh, this is such a great opportunity for him. And I'm there, I'm like, this is such a great opportunity for you all. Her, his his dad was sitting on the sidelines and it's like, you know, you, next week you, you can both jump in. This is something that you, your son, your husband, his father can experience together. And she was telling me that the father and play with the, the two other children, uh, the two other sons on cricket. And it's like, well, this can be the sport that his father and him can play together, you know? They can all play this together if they wanted to. Absolutely no reason why not. And it's about sharing that similar experience because that's what it all comes back to, is that sense of belonging that everyone is searching for in life. And yeah. that's what reverse inclusion provides. And
3: that's what, like, honestly, that's why I felt it first at Suncoast. I mean, it's, it's like, when I went down to basketball first, like, when I, before I played rugby, that's where I felt it first. I felt so included.
2: And that's exactly it. That's, that's where you want to be. You want to be included and... Not just like you four, or three. Sorry, (laughs) I haven't been yet. (laughs) You three, uh, but Gage and the other, and Robbo and the other lads. You all go pushing together. We've spoken about this. Where it's a form of mobility. Your wheelchair is a form of mobility. But now you guys go pushing for fitness together as an inclusive together. Um, You know, we went and sold raffle tickets at the Suncorp Stadium together you know it wasn't oh yeah that's Corey and this and that we're finding ways to go and do things together and be together at the right way
3: and it comes down to supports yeah and it, like without that my support worker couldn't come you know so most definitely support and information it's the best thing you can get
1: we're gonna have to uh, to wrap this episode up but gentlemen you know such uh, special guests, such really special friends of, of the both of us uh, here at the Take Seat Project. Yeah, there's so much more that we want to cover, so we're going to definitely have to get you guys back in for a second episode and and talk more. But, it, you know, on this episode alone, we've covered a lot, so really appreciate you jumping on board, taking the seat with us and, and sharing what you have. I'm sure many people will take what they can and implement into their own lives and, and sort of maybe look at uh, – maybe. When the next time they see, see someone that is in a wheelchair, perhaps they they miss the chair first and they ask for a question. Perhaps they ask, what sport do you play? Hey, what are you doing, on the, what are you doing here on the weekend? Do you want to come play rugby? Or just a
4: general, how are you going? That's it, yep. Don't be afraid. Jump in the chair. Get involved. you see us down there anywhere on a court, get involved. Any last words, gentlemen? Uh, no, I'd just like to thank you both for having us on. It's been a real pleasure. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, if there's anything that we've said, you know, if there's someone out there listening, they get something out of it, so...
1: That's it, that's the goal. Just
4: yeah. one of the best, probably number one podcast in
3: the world.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's not aim, biased. Aim for the stars, in <laughs> <and> the trees. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you for the last hour, but unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up if we could keep talking all night, believe us, we would love to. That's why we started the podcast, boys. There's so many things that I could pull pull from this episode, but the one thing I really want to pull back on is, is Sean's comment of, of an able-bodied athlete participating in wheelchair sports and and going along to this come and try day and, and getting going walking away with this feeling of this stigma that he shouldn't be able to play or that he is taking away a position of someone else or an opportunity for someone to play it's most certainly something that the suncoast spinners and their reverse inclusion project is trying to remove altogether uh, and alongside southeast queensland you know they're adopting the same philosophy this reverse inclusion method of getting anyone and everyone involved in the sport purely as people
2: thanks for listening to this episode We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncospinners.com.au.